Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And welcome back in to the second hour here on the program on a Friday. And later on in this hour, we will be joined by New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad and Ward 3 Councilor Sean Oliver. We'll talk about last night's meeting and we'll talk about the sustaining of all three of Mayor Mitchell's vetoes of the proposed ballot questions, the non-binding ballot questions uh, that you can read about at WBSM.com and on the app. After it was published, uh, Mayor Mitchell uh, had put out a a statement. So I'm going to uh, add that into the story, but, um, or I don't know, but I will get it in there. I'm in the process of transcribing it and adding it into the story, just doing a little bit at a time during the commercial breaks, but I'll read it to you quickly. I appreciated the opportunity recently to have productive discussions with city councilors about the three referenda before them tonight and that they were willing to take a fresh look at the merits of each item. I look forward to working with the council in the same cooperative spirit on the major challenges and opportunities facing the city in the days ahead. So um, that's the you know, hopefully that's the spirit going forward is this spirit of cooperation because I feel like the mayor certainly said he felt like there wasn't cooperation in these questions because he didn't get a heads up on them. He didn't know that they were working on them. They just kind of brought them to the table and voted on them and that was how he found out. But uh, also you've heard the counselor say, well, but, you know, you... You criticize us for wanting to put rent stabilization on the ballot, but, you know, we didn't know when your housing plan was going to come out and what was going to be in it. So I think that there's been some not full communication on both sides, but, you know, hopefully that's that's getting better. And hopefully this will uh, be the impetus for, for even better communication. So we'll talk with uh, the counselors about that coming up. We'll take your phone calls on it until then at 508-996-0500 or you can send app chat messages on the WBSM app. And I, I want to apologize to New Bedford resident. I, I think I just took your, your comment uh, the wrong way, but you're, you're right. Um, the, it is, it is important if the number is even that much more lower. If it's $45, $45 a year, that's what we're talking about here. So I can tell you that if two people go out to eat one time at most sit-down restaurants, whether it be 
a chain restaurant or whether it be a mom and pop restaurant in the city, if you go out one time and have maybe you each have a, a an entree, maybe you each have a couple of soft drinks. You don't even have to have an alcoholic drink, soft drink. Or maybe you have water, but you split an appetizer or split a dessert. Or you know what? Maybe you just have two entrees and then you leave a tip. That's what we're talking about. That's what you're paying the average homeowner for, you know, paying into the Community Preservation Act money each year. So maybe one last time you go out to eat that particular year, but you end up with all these great benefits from the CPA. Parks, upgrades to parks, historic preservation, affordable housing. So maybe you don't need the affordable housing yourself, but it's something that is needed in the city. Maybe you are a property owner who pays that so that you don't have to deal with rent stabilization because we can have more affordable housing. So the benefits are there for a very small amount of money. And that's why I, I you know, I, I just want to know the methodology. The methodology of the informal poll that Council President Moyer conducted where uh, she said, she spoke to 139 city residents about the CPA charge and said 127 out of the 139 were in favor of repealing the CPA. If I'm if I'm reading the question the, the the tweet correctly, it, it might have been that she said 127 were in favor of the CPA, but that there were still 11 that weren't, and I don't know that that would be a point she would make because I don't know that that would back up her argument on this. But we can talk more about that with her when uh, when she is part of the program coming up in the second half of the hour. Also, I just want to um, point your attention to a story that I put up at WBSM.com and on the app yesterday that I found interesting. I, I still haven't received answers to the questions that I asked. Well, you know, I didn't even ask questions yet. I just said, hey, I'd like to find out a little bit more and haven't received a response from either side. But the story is up at WBSM.com and on the app about the Bears Den Cafe at the Buttonwood Park Zoo. So if you've, if you've never gone into it, it's basically a like little cafeteria, cafe, restaurant type where they've always offered... Stuff that, you know, kids would want to have. Pizza, chicken fingers, things like that. But they brought in this year, they brought in Two Sisters Catering, which if you're not familiar with them, they were on the Food Network. Um, they had a food truck. Now they're moving into having a, a location in Dartmouth. And so they had gone in. The, the way that it was described in a previous story that uh, Fun 107's Maddie Levine wrote there was, I think it was the director of finance for the for the zoo was driving around and saw a sign for Two Sisters Catering and said, hey, let's give them a shot at the, the cafe. So they brought them in over February vacation, had them run the cafe. Things were, things were a success. 
And so when the season opened on April 1st, they were going to be the new operators of the Bears Den Cafe at the zoo. And as part of that, they were also going to operate their catering business out of that kitchen. This is all information that was in the press release that came out and the stories that came out about it when, when it was announced. Well, I don't know what happened, but yesterday the zoo announced that on Monday, the cafe was closing until further notice. So this sounds to me like after this weekend, they need somebody else to run the cafe. And so I reached out to both Two Sisters Catering and the zoo to try to find out more information. And nobody's gotten back to me. I sent emails and, and I sent a Facebook message to the Two Sisters page. Haven't heard back. Very unlike the zoo, by the way. They're usually pretty good about responding and getting you the information. So it makes me think that there's something that somebody doesn't want to say. But that's just speculation on my part. So I'm really wondering what that whole story is about. And if we find more details, we will update the story at WBSM.com and on the app. But, I mean, I know that there's so, – so there's two kinds of people – that go to the zoo. People who will want to bring a picnic or or have lunch somewhere else because they maybe they're visitors to the city and they say, I want to go to this restaurant that I'd heard about or uh, maybe they want to bring a picnic and have a picnic in the park. And then there's people who say, we're just going to go into the cafe and, and, and buy buy lunch. And, you know, when my son was young and we would go to the zoo, we were zoo members for a number of years. We would always, almost always, unless we were doing it for like the fun of it, like we had picnics now and then, but we would almost always say, well, we can go into the cafe and you can, you can get something to eat there to my son because, you know, it's just the three of us. It's not like we're feeding an army of kids. So he was... You know, a fan of that cafe, he would, I mean, he got chicken fingers everywhere he went, so didn't didn't really matter to him where he went, but it was convenient. And they will still have snacks and drinks available in the gift shop, but it's not the same as being able to sit down and have lunch. So I don't know how long they're going to be in that position for. Uh, I mean, you've got, if it's May 1st, you've got almost two months before school is out for the year for the younger kids that would be going to the zoo and looking to have lunch. So hopefully you can get things in order within those two months. But I just, I want to know what happened here. What 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 happened? They, they hyped this up. There were newspaper articles and all kinds of articles about, you know, we had an article, everybody did. Everybody wrote about two sisters taking over operations of the cafe. What happened? I think people were excited, people that go to the zoo that are members and eat there frequently were excited about having some new and different menu options. What happened? And this is also the point in time where I remind families out there that if you don't have a zoo membership, I do recommend it because uh, not only because you can go to the zoo as many times as you want, but also because of the reciprocity of that membership. Being a member of the Buttonwood Park Zoo gets you into other museums and zoos and other attractions. And so we would go to Buttonwood a few times a year, but that we would really get the money out of having access to all these other places, going to the Museum of Science, going to the New England Aquarium, 
going to Plymouth Plantation. Although I think those might have been library passes that we used for that. Going to the Capron Zoo. I don't know if we ever made it to the Stone Zoo, but we went to Franklin Park. I remember because the the car broke on the way home from Franklin Park Zoo. Like right outside the zoo. So you can um you can save a lot of money and have a lot of adventures for your family on just a little bit of money with that zoo membership. Not to mention having access to the Buttonwood Park Zoo anytime and getting into special membership events and all those kind of things. But it's it's well worth it for a family uh to take part in that. And I think we we used to also I think we paid a little extra so we could add my mother-in-law into it because sometimes she would want to go either with us or if she was babysitting, she would take our son to some of these places. So I recommend it, and uh, I think you'll save a lot of money if you are somebody who wants to go out and visit all of these places. Uh, also, I think, too, that it will encourage you to maybe visit some places that you haven't been before. Because you say, well, our membership works there, so we might as well go. I think my favorite has always been the Museum of Science. I like the aquarium, too. The last time I went to the aquarium, I spent way too, too, way too much time up at the top of the tank watching them feed and then watching the, the diver go down because he would, they'd throw the food in and then the diver would go down to make sure that, like, everybody got the food and that it wasn't just, you know, the, the bigger fish, the, the, the bigger predators that was getting all the food. And I said, man, who wants that job? Like you want to be the one that has to be like, no shark, you can't, you can't have that. That's not for you. And then just like push the shark out of the way. And that's what he was doing. Anyway, so if you, um, if you want to call in and chime in on anything regarding what happened in that meeting last night, you can do so. Uh, we have a few moments here before we'll have to take the break and we'll talk about that with the counselors. Uh, I was talking before about the, the fact that the process doesn't have to end here if you are somebody who feels that these measures are needed. So if you're somebody who does feel there needs to be rent stabilization or the mayoral term should be two years or that the CPA should be repealed, you still have the ability yourself to collect the signatures that are necessary to get the question put on the ballot, in which case the question would then be binding. In this format, it would have been more of uh, an opportunity to, to kind of take the temperature of how the residents feel, how the voters feel about it. But if you want to go out there, you can actually make it a binding question. It doesn't have to be about these three things either. It could be about anything. As we've learned, there's there's appears to be a citizen effort to get a question about term limits placed on the ballot. So you could... You could have anything that you think needs to be done in the city. You could go out there and collect the signatures for it and see if you can get that question on the ballot. But that, to me, seems to be the the better process if it's coming from the people rather than coming from the counselors. Even if the counselors are the ones, like if, you know, if Councilor Burgo is the one who really wants to have a question about rent stabilization, go out and collect the signatures. Go through that process because then... You don't have to worry about the veto, the override, all this back and forth. You can just find out what the people think 
And you can find out what the people think just being out there trying to collect signatures. You might have this idea, go out there and try to get the signatures to get it on the ballot. And then you find out, well, looks like people aren't interested in it because I can't even get enough signatures to get the question on the ballot. And maybe that's the lesson learned. But I, I'm, I think I'm more of a fan of that process myself. You might feel differently. So, again, too, when we come back, of course, we'll talk to the, to the counselors. That will take up the rest of this hour. And then when we come back in the 11 o'clock hour, we'll be joined by Donna Halper, who will be talking with us about the history of South Coast Radio. And we'll talk about some of the legendary figures that came out of this area, some of the important key figures in the rise of the radio industry. And uh, we can talk a little bit, too, about the upcoming uh, Massachusetts Broadcasters Hall of Fame induction in which she will be inducted. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the early stations in the area. And I'm excited for it. I think I think you'll find it interesting. I found it fascinating as I was reading the book. And, uh, and I think you will as well. And by the way, I got the book through the public library's Hoopla digital book collection. So, you know, if you have a sales library card, if you're part of the sales network, then you can go to Hoopla and you can type in your library card information and you can instantly read ebooks. You check them out, you get them for a certain amount of time, you give them back. And, um, and I love it. And I still love reading actual books when I have the time to actually sit and read. But this is a great way when I'm trying to research something or try to get some more information. Like, I'm thinking about writing another book myself. I know going out and getting the books that I would need to cite for this would cost me a fortune. So instead, being able to digitally collect them, uh, cite what I need to cite, get all the information, and then return it digitally will save me a lot of time, effort, and money. Especially where, you know, writing about things of a historical nature, you got to track down books that might not even be available anymore. So it's a huge benefit. So it's called Hoopla. I think it's H-O-O-P-L-A. Uh, and you can utilize it if you have a library card. And you don't even need to have like an ebook reader or an iPad or any of those things. You can read it on your phone. You can read it on your computer. And um, it's pretty easy to use. I, it's It's best on an iPad or a tablet because those act like a book. And you can flip the pages by, like, just moving your finger a lot of the time. Um, but it's you don't have to have one of those. All right. Why don't we take a break? When we come back on the other side, we'll be joined by New Bedford City Council President Linda Morat and Ward 3 Councilor Sean Oliver. We'll talk about last night's meeting and some other topics as well. Stay tuned. And welcome back into the program. We are joined now on the phone by New Bedford City Council President Linda Morat. And today joining her is Ward 3 Councilor Sean Oliver. Good morning, Councilors. How are you? Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Tim. How are you? Doing all right. And uh, and I, I, you you guys probably had a pretty late night last night looking at that agenda. We've had uh, three or four pretty late nights in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been fun. But we haven't broken the rule yet. I think I've mentioned to you before, you know, I've been on the council for a bit now, and there was several years where, you know, we were overriding the 12 o'clock rule. But we haven't done that in a while, and we certainly haven't done that in the last couple of weeks. Well, that's that's good news. But a lot a lot of uh, talk, of course, this morning has been about the votes on um, whether or not to sustain or override Mayor Mitchell's vetoes of the proposed ballot questions, and uh, and it, all three vetoes were sustained. So, uh, Council President Morad, I know you know you talked with me in the past about wanting to just be able to have these public conversations, and even though the questions 
uh, won't appear on the ballot based on this process, it still did spark those conversations within the community. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I'm disappointed that the items did not move forward so that we can hear from the people that I represent in the city. But uh, without question, these items have, uh, these three motions have brought uh, renewed conversation to all three items. Uh, you know, I want to congratulate my two colleagues, uh, Councilor Burgo and Councilor Gomes, for uh, putting the initiatives forward and to beginning, you know, to start the conversation. I think, you know, especially on the rent stabilization item last night, uh, you know, whether I'm in favor or not of that, I congratulate Councilor Burgo on making our community begin to have the conversation because, as he said last year, last night rather, and I wholeheartedly agree, you know, for the last many years of this administration, there's been no conversation about rent and or housing in our city. And this is not an issue that's new. It's been going on for a while. Uh, this administration has not addressed it. Uh, people like Reverend Weimer and the uh, Rise Up for Homes uh and you know, th those people have been talking about this for a long time, as well as, God rest his soul, Peter Muse. Uh, they've been at the forefront of this, along with Carlisle. But there's been no initiative from the administration, even though uh, Pat Sullivan has been trying for, had been trying for many years to get it moving. So congratulations to Councilor Virgo for uh, making people stand up in this administration and actually begin to have maybe a serious conversation. We'll see now. Um, you know, there's been a lot of words, but there haven't been a lot of actions. We'll see what happens going forward. Absolutely. And, and Councillor Oliver, you're, you were kind of thrown into the fire with these, being a new councillor and getting involved in this in this process. Uh, what did you think about the the way that this all played out and seeing the way that, you know, the, the, the city government has the checks and balances? Well, I'm, I'm actually uh, very impressed on, you know, how passionate that my colleagues are about this. And I, I feel like we have a good... Um, mix in the council right now, where you know these ballot qu these these questions that were that we were talking about. You know, a lot of the, this, these are six to five. Uh, you know, they're very close. So like, there's a very good balance, and I think that we have um, the framework within the council right now to really address and tackle these issues. The re-energized um, debate around these issues that may have um, kind of gone quiet or nobody was really bringing it to the forefront. Um, I, I, I also commend my colleagues for, for starting the conversation. And um, when we say that this is, this is merely to let's, let's start the conversation, the conversation now is started uh, officially, and we can really start to attack the, the issues um, at hand and hopefully really use this comprehensive um, housing plan um, as, as a roadmap to, to, to address these issues. So I look forward to working with my colleagues on that. And, Tim, if I can follow up on that conversation, I agree that there's a very nice mix of different expertise and different opinions on the council. Uh, everybody's passionate about things that, you know, they see as issues in our community. You know, whether I agree or disagree with some of my colleagues' positions last night, 10 of my colleagues stood up and, you know, gave their opinion on things and let the people that elect them understand uh, what their positions are and how they feel about things. And I commend them for that because, you know, whether you're on, what, no matter what side you're on, you know, you had co colleagues sitting there who were promoting uh, different items that they felt passionate about. And, you know, you were giving your opinion to your colleagues in public. I mean, we do this a lot 
as we talk to each other one-on-one, but you know, you're, you're standing there actually having a conversation with your colleagues about what your positions are. Some of those conversations last night were difficult, absolutely. But as I said, 10 of us did the job last night. 10 of us stood up and made our opinions known. 10 of us worked together, and I'm very proud of this Nebected City Council. Uh, Mayor Mitchell, you know, talked about um, how he was happy that the the councilors took a look at all these issues and looked at them on their individual merits. And I I think that that does take a lot of um, fortitude to say, you know, I might have voted. And Councilor Lima called in earlier to say, you know, I might have voted one way on something the first time around. But then, you know, you listen and you see how the constituents feel and you listen to the different sides and you you take all that into account. So uh, it, it can be a difficult thing, I'm sure, to have people question sometimes, well, why did you feel this and then change to this or what? And it's it shows that the process works when you have your ears open and, and you are listening and taking into account all sides on the issues. Yep, it does. You know, I hope that's what happened. I, you know, I hope that there was no, uh, no, no issues that will come to light later on that uh, make me think that that's not what happened. But I trust that that's my, what my colleagues did. Uh, most of these people I respect and were, have worked very well with over the course of their terms on the council. I think many of them feel the same way about me. Maybe not. You never know. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm just proud of the group. Like I said, uh, 10 of us last night did the job. We had honest debate. Uh, there was no, um, no backstabbing. There was no, no, um, concerns that I have about people's positions and their comments last night. And uh, I, that, I think that's good government at work. And I do want to just ask you, Council President Morad, about um, something that came up in the meeting. Again, I was um, I was I was at a concert. I know I should have been paying <laughs> more attention, but I was following along with Adam's tweets uh, about some of the things that were going on in the meeting. And he had mentioned that you had taken kind of an informal poll of some residents that you asked 139 city residents about the CPA charge. And he said in the tweet, 127 of the 139 were in favor. Was that in favor of repealing the CPA? Yeah in favor of appealing the CPA. And then I asked those 127 folks, well, if repeal doesn't work, would you consider maybe a pause or, you know, maybe a CPA um, modification that allowed you to opt in or opt out? And 105 of the 127 said yes, they would consider that. So, I mean, I think people were willing, the people I talked to anyway, they want some relief at this point. And I stated in my comments about, you know, lots of things that have gone up in the course of the time since the CPA was on the ballot back in uh, 10 years ago. And I think people would like to relook at it. And that's really what I was trying to sponsor and, and put forward last night. So, but, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm sure there's going to be some people that phone and say, oh, I don't believe the credibility of her, of her poll. And I have uh, said that last night as well, but I don't think that I've ever been anybody on the council that people say she doesn't do her homework. So I believe that the general public realizes that I did speak to those people and that, you know, I, I did try to take the temperature as unscientific and as, a, un, as crude as it was. I tried to do that. Well, and, and the CPA projects actually came up last week. And, you know, as as all this discussion was going on about should it continue, we also have the approvals for the projects that are that are going in, in, into play. Yeah, we did. Uh, we had 24 projects in front of us, I think. One had been withdrawn. 
There was one that my colleagues and I had some concerns about. Councilor Oliver was at that meeting. He can chat a little bit about that one. And we passed on that one. But uh, the chair of the ordinance uh, committee, I'm sorry, the uh, council prayer actually not, it was in finance. Uh, he reached out to the parties that were looking to have that item approved and had further conversation that assured most of us that our concerns would be mitigated with the construction process. So, Councillor, do you want to speak a little bit about your first experience with the CPA approval? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And um, it, it was exactly that an experience. You know, I think um, one of the things with the CPA also is um, it's one of those things that we don't think about. You know, it uh, comes out, um, uh, you know, we get uh, uh, taxed on that and we, we never really think about anything more than that. We just see that, you know, $50, $60, whatever the, you know, there's debate as to how much is actually, um, you know, each person is contributing. But Regardless, let's let's use fifty dollars for for you know conversation's sake. You know we we almost forget that it's coming out. The biggest thing is I would like to see a little bit more you know propping up of the things that it does do. Hey, this was CPA funds. This is what this that fifty dollars um, that you're getting taxed on. Um, this is what it's achieved. And seeing some of the projects um, that were laid out in front of us, uh, the twenty three projects that ended up getting approved. Um, and, you know, for the betterment of the city, for uh, historical preservation, um, new parks. Um, it, it really is incredible to see, you know, what this money is going, going to, uh, well, first off, to see how this adds up to actual tangible dollars that we could use um, to, to, to really better our experience within the city. Um, so it, it, to see that firsthand, and to work with my colleagues to, to, to put these um, projects forward um, was was absolutely a, 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 a sight to see. And um, I am a supporter of, of the day to see how, you know, seeing how these things come to fruition. Um, I can't wait to see these projects that we approved. Um, uh, as uh, Council President uh, Moore had uh, stated, we did have a, an issue, my colleagues and I, about one particular project at the, the rural cemetery, uh, preserving the, uh, the building there, uh, which the uh, cemetery department now um, um, is in there. Um, but good government. Uh, my colleague from the South End had, um, you know, done his homework, reached out to the parties involved. We got clarification on the project, and then we felt um, that we had a better understanding and that the project was able to move forward, and we had... Um, put that back um, up in front of the council last night and, and voted to pass that um, project along. So a lot of good stuff. Um, I, I do feel also that perhaps, um, you know, folks are looking for relief in this time, um, and 50 bucks is 50 bucks. And if you choose to perhaps not, you know, participate, in the CPA, I I I would be a, a in favor of an opting out option as well. Yeah, yeah, I think. And Tim, I'm, I'm sorry, I just want to follow up, and it's just, I mean, we spoke about long meetings, and the CPA meeting was very long uh, last week, uh, with very good count, very good questions on behalf of my colleagues, and wonderful interaction with the representatives from the CPC committee. So uh, we, you know, again, it, these are not things that we take lightly in any way, shape, or form. 
And and I think you know that the opt in option would be great because I think you would have a lot of people who would say exactly that. You know, I can afford the fifty dollars, so I don't have any problem having you know whatever the amount might be. But I I can afford it, so I have no problem uh, including it and having it go toward that. And other people who might say, you know what, I need that this year, but maybe next year I would uh, opt into giving to it if I'm in a better, a little bit of a better position. Yeah, I mean that may be that may be an administrative nightmare for. Uh, you know, the assessors and for the billing of tax bills, et cetera, which means we might need to bill it a different way. I mean, if that was something that the community, um, you know, wanted to move forward with, we'd have to do some additional research to make sure. It was just me trying to get a temperature. You know, these people who are telling me, no, I don't want it, you know, would they consider in any way an alternative? That's really what I was trying to do with that. And one other thing from last night's meeting, uh, did, did the council take up the nomination of Carol Pimentel? Um, yep. The item was on the table, and it has been on the table for several weeks. And as I have done at every meeting, I've asked Council Burgo, who placed it on the table, whether he wanted to remove it. That's, that's normal procedure for us. That wasn't anything unusual. From time to time, we place things on the table to get additional information or whatever. Last night he asked to take it up, and the vote was, I believe, 6-5 in favor of appointing her to the uh, Greater New Bedford uh, Advisory Board. All right. So so um, that's also, you know, just like you said, that's that's the process. That's how things go, and I think that's what's great about this segment every week is we can give folks some in-depth, behind-the-scenes info about how that process works. Yes, I, I enjoyed this segment very much this year. Um, I thank you, Tim, for allowing me to bring my colleagues so that they can talk with you as well. I know that last year that was not how this was done, and I know sometimes you spend a lot of time talking about things other than uh, the city council business, but I, I enjoy this segment, and I hope your listeners do as well. Uh, the and, and you know, to be to be fair, we talked a lot about a lot about the uh, the issues of the city. But uh, speaking of uh, the finance committee and some of those discussions, there was also discussion this week about uh, how to best use the free cash that we heard about recently. Yep, um, the, uh, the free cash number this year is a appropriation that's a combination of last year and this year. The number's quite large; it's uh, almost twelve point nine million dollars. And the administration has made some recommendations to put back money that was utilized because of COVID into the uh, stabilization and general fund. And also to make an appropriation, as we have done every year that we've had free cash uh, to the OPED um, uh, fund, which is drastically underfunded at this point for the retirement benefits. And then there was approximately three million, three and a half million of requests for spends of that money for things that um, the administration feels needs to be done. And if not done in this way, then we'd have to either bond for this money or, you know, utilize other mechanisms to get this money appropriated. So we had a good discussion about that. Um, the uh, auditor was in front of us, and each of the department heads that were looking for an appropriation were questioned as to what would be, you know, what they needed and how the money was going to be utilized. So, again, that was that was a good discussion in the Finance Committee, and we're going to um, see if we can pass that item at our special city council meeting next Wednesday night. Uh, we, as you may or may not heard, the AFSCME contract was settled last week, and 
there is a need to move that item forward prior to the May 11th uh, council agenda. So I have called for a special city council meeting next Wednesday at 7 o'clock. We will hear the details and uh, make a decision on ratifying the AFNI contract that we presented before us. And we're going to take up this vote as well regarding the spending of the or the appropriation of the free cash. So, so you're waiting until, you know, it'll be before next week's meeting that you'll have some more details on that. So next week we can talk a little bit more in depth about the contract as, as much as we can, we can discuss. And, uh, so Councilor Oliver, this is, this is your chance, you know, you're leading up to budget season here with all the money, all the allocations <laughs> and all the information here. You're, you're, you're starting to get ready for those long nights of budget talk. Well, that's it. You know, it's, uh, it's, you, you start to see the, the long hours, um, you know that the first, this like um, my colleague was, um, uh, President Moore was saying. You know, uh, this is only the beginning of the, the long hours uh, season, but we still haven't gone past. We haven't had to break the rule or anything like that. So I'm hoping that that is uh, a trend that continues to go forward. Um, I'm fortunate enough that uh, on uh, least city council nights, I'm I'm off from work, so I'm uh, I'm there. Uh, you know, a hundred percent. Uh, ready to do the work with my colleagues, and I, I know that this is our uh, this is our playoffs. We have a lot going on, um, and this kind of like sets the tone for the uh, for the city. So it's very important, and uh, I I really can't wait to uh, to have these debates and discussions, um, and and to really you know see the the actual work that goes into it. A lot, I think a lot of folks, you know, we. We only see the headlines and the, and the little bit of things that come out, whether it be in the media or social media or whatever. But there is a lot of work and a lot of time that myself and my colleagues put into this. And um, I just I, I, I have a I've always had a found respect for our elected officials. But now as one, I have even more because it, it really is uh, a ton of work and it's all it's all for the betterment of the city. So I, uh, I'm, I'm just fortunate enough. I'm just fortunate. I'm just fortunate enough to now be part of it. Thank you, Councillor. And Tim, I just want you to know that all the budget hearings are Zoom. So not only can you just, um, you know, tune in whenever you like from wherever you are, but obviously they'll be live streamed for everybody in our community who would like to, you know, listen to our conversations, et cetera. And um, I, I instituted that policy several years ago, and it's a great policy because you know, these meetings do go long. There are, every department is heard, and, you know, I can never judge what questions my colleagues or I are going to ask that night. But this way here, um, men and women from the city who are coming to talk with us about their budgets, et cetera, uh, they're at their homes and they've worked a long day. You know, they, they can get up and have something to eat or have a cup of coffee or whatever they want while they're listening to their other department heads and not have to be sitting in the council chamber awaiting their turn. So, and and just in the final few moments that we have, I just want to ask you, Council Oliver, since you came on and you were talking with uh, with on this program and on South Coast tonight and discussing the C Click Fix app, have you seen an increase in people utilizing that app? And because I know we've we've gotten some calls here from people who said, "Yeah, I went and I reported it on the app instead of calling the mayor." So I think you know the word is getting out. Have you heard from a lot of people or seen an increase in in the usage in the app? So I'm gonna I'm going to continue to be a champion for this because it's a very easy, streamlined way for anybody to get involved in the goings on in the city. So just from the WBSM article that came out uh, about nine days ago, um, our 
our tally was 10,032 items fixed. So in those nine days, we, we are at 10,097. So 65 additional um, issues within the city, plus what, things that um, may not have been on the app. Um, so just in the nine days, 65 other additional items have been addressed. I've had constituents reach out to me on how easy it is. And, hey, I just put this in. Um, can you, you know, follow up on it? Make sure, you know, so folks, there is a little bit of a re-energizing of this app. You know, I think a lot of people just kind of forgot it was there or maybe not even knew that it was there. But um, hopefully they do download the app and the, the number continues to, to rise as far as item six. Uh, I personally have added three things since our last conversation, Tim, um, that I've seen personally. I, uh, I had a, um, somebody from Tabor Mills call me literally five minutes before hopping on the call today, um, and they were talking to the, uh, the management team there and reached out about a particular issue on the sidewalk and told her about the app. She didn't know about it, and um, she says, I'm going to go outside and do it right now. You know, so... Uh, the biggest thing is just bringing continued awareness to it. Um, and uh, if anybody who calls in, always refer them to the app. Absolutely. And uh, so next week, uh, Council President Moore, you'll be uh, joining us with uh, Councilor Markey as well? Yes, we'll have Councilor Markey with us as well. We'll look forward to talking with you then. Uh, we appreciate the time, Tim. Thank you very much. And I hope you and your listeners have a nice weekend. Thank you. And we got several leagues kicking off, uh, baseball uh, leagues kicking off in the city. We kicked off Bay State last week. Uh, Maria accomplished uh, Yesta through a better pitch than the mayor. Uh, I'm <laughs> challenging my colleagues to do the same this week with Wheeling City and next week with South End So, Well, thank you, and uh, keep us up to date with who who has the, the fastest fastball. I will. <laughs> All right. Thank you both. You have, have a great right, weekend. So thank you. Have a great day, guys. Thank Take you, care. You too. Bye-bye. Uh, that is New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad and Ward 3 Councilor Sean Oliver. Got to take my final break of the hour. We'll be back in a few. All right. We are just about out of time for this hour. But joining us right after the news will be Donna Halper. We're going to be talking about the history of South Coast Radio and Boston Radio and how it helped set the tone for the entire country and really the entire world. And a lot of it started right here on the South Coast. So we're going to discuss that uh, and of course, and after that, we'll take more of your phone calls. Uh, so callers, just be aware that it's going to be a while before we get to you because uh, we'll talk briefly with Donna Halper when we come back. Uh, because I, listen, I geek out about this stuff and I think a lot of you might as well. And I think it's really interesting and important to know because this local part of our history is important. And as you know, I'm somebody who is a big supporter of. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.